on this prequel episode, we've got our follow-up poll for the rescuers. We're learning about Studio Ghibli and previewing Howl's Moving Castle. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's a prequel episode, which means we have a bunch of stuff to get to, but it won't take very long because it's all very short things, relatively speaking. So, before we get to our fan poll follow-up for The Rescuers, we have our bi-weekly Patreon shout-out. Katie, we have a few new patrons this week, two new patrons this week, mm-hmm. and then we have our Hall of Famers. What is that award level called? The, uh, was it the Newberry? Academy Award. Academy winners. Award. Yeah. The $2 level is the Newberry, and the $5 level is the Hugo? Yes. I think that's correct. So, for our new patrons... Uh, we have two this week. Sorry, three. We do have three. Two of them are at the $5 level, the Hugo level. And that uh, those two are Yashvir Pudaruth. Pudaruth. Don't know how to I apologize. I'm not doing that <laughs> justice. And Andrew slowly explaining political fo- philosophy is my kink. Uh, I'm fairly certain that that is somebody coming over from having listened to us on philosophers in space because the the circles of the podcasts are are mixing there because that is a reference to a, a podcast that i enjoy very thoroughly uh, opening arguments mm-hmm. which is the uh, a a law podcast with a harvard lawyer and uh, his co-host thomas who is the co-host from philosophers in space which is how that kind of crosses over uh, where they break down sort of the New, the legal news of the day um, with an actual legal expert there. It's a great podcast if you really want like a it's bi-weekly they do it two times or sorry it's I don't know how to what that's called that is also bi-weekly isn't it isn't it both things if it's if it's twice a twice week twice a week I, think, I, mm. uh, I don't know whatever but it's twice a week Tuesdays and Fridays I believe uh, they break down all of the crazy stuff going on in the world of politics in the legal world. Um, Andrew is actually also the lawyer for Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. <laughs> so there's that. It's a fun, another little crossover. Uh, he is the one who did our incorporation stuff and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, go check out or opening arguments if you want a, a fun new legal podcast to listen to. So thank you to those two $5 patrons. And then at the $2 level, we had four new patrons. Yeah. I misread this. I wrote this, and I misread this terribly. <laughs> at the $2 level, we have two new patrons, and that is the Newberry Award Medal. We have Scarface, classic Scarface from Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. <laughs> one of the, maybe one one of, if not the biggest Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad fan out there. Uh, jumping on the This Film is Lit train. Thank you. And we have Mickey Indigo, who also recognized from good bad or bad bad thank you to all of our new patrons all four of you it's fantastic hope you enjoy the content you're getting if you're at the five dollar level and hope you're enjoying your early access if you're at the two dollar level and just enjoying supporting us katie i'm gonna let you take the first no i thought you i thought you asked did you not get a response and then they said that you oh i do it yes oh you did it well oh well then i'll just do it never mind so our first hall of fame patron is alina delutskolova Apparently, I do it okay, Dalit Kalova. Uh, so that's probably close enough. Katie, you can take the second one. Who's our second Hall of Fame patron? This, our second Hall of Fame patron is, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is cool. Yeah. You didn't update it this time, but Mm-mm. it's all right. I'll forgive you. <laughs> and then finally, our last Hall of Fame Academy Award winning patron at the $15 level is 
Mr. Nobody. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting us at any level that you do. It's wonderfully amazing of you. Thank you. Let's move on and do our fan follow-up polls for the rescuers. So we didn't get a whole lot of votes no. for this one. Like none. We can go from very, like 30 votes to like few. no votes so quickly. <laughs> Which is funny because there was a lot of engagement in the There was a in lot of engagement in the initial poll. Yeah. Where people, a lot of people really wanted us to do the rescuers. Not a whole lot of engagement on these follow-up polls. What are you going to do? I, I do want to, I think we've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate you don't have to abstain if you haven't read the book. Yeah. We're not making any rules about that. Like, I get it. Yeah. But also, you can feel free to go ahead and participate anyway. We're not the police. Yeah. So. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Also, if you, if, you, if you don't feel good about voting uh, when you haven't read the book, just like, throw a little comment in. Just throw a quick little, like, I love, I love the movie because blank. Yeah. Haven't no, read totally. the book, but I love the movie because of this reason. Actually, we we did have at least one comment like yeah. that. Um, on Facebook, we got two votes. They were both for the movie. Huzzah. Um, and Maddie commented, I haven't read the books, but my vote goes to the movie simply because I love the Rescue Aid Society song and I can't get it out of my head. There you go. Perfect. Same, Maddie. Same. <laughs> and then over on Twitter, we also had two votes, both of which were also for the movie. Uh-huh. And Shelby Suderman commented, had a couple of thoughts, uh, said, I didn't read the book this time, so I'm not voting. But I realized while watching the movie that the treasure cave could have been based on the Oak Island Money Pit, which is a real place that floods to protect pirate treasure, which I thought was interesting. It floods to protect mythical non-existent pirate treasure but yes you know that there's no pirate <laughs> yes treasure people down have there? been digging on that damn <laughs> island for decades there's well, nothing maybe there it's really well hidden <laughs> no there's nothing there <laughs> i've yeah i I've, I've actually read quite a bit and listened to a bunch of podcasts where they've discussed the oak island money pit uh there's it's very unlikely shall we say that there's actually anything there it's just one of those things that but very well could have been the inspiration. Yes, but for, yes, it's still the yeah. story of it could have, because it's a sort of mythical thing that yeah. has become part of the mythos of that part of the country. Um, Shelby also said, I call BS on the movies Mice Are Good, Bats Are Bad logic for shame, Disney. Gotta agree with that. I, yeah, I gotta agree with that, too. I love bats. Yeah. And I feel like mice and bats would theoretically be allies in this universe. I don't think bats eat mice, so yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't yeah, I don't see why. I think they do either. Yeah. But they do eat bugs. They do eat bugs. Which That's is what they're true. chasing, is the bug. Yeah. So that makes sense. But they also look pretty evil. <laughs> they do look evil. But they just got that blood. I mean, that's a big, juicy dragonfly they're going for. <laughs> I get it. They're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was it for our follow-up polls for the rescuers. Thank you to everybody who commented and who voted. Like we said before, don't be afraid to vote, even if you haven't done read or watched. You know, done both, that's fine. But also, if you don't feel bad about voting, like Shelby said, go ahead and leave a comment. And Maddie. Both did the same thing. Perfect. Do that. It's great. Let's go ahead. we got a learning thing segment for the first time in a couple weeks. We're going to learn about Studio Ghibli. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. All right. So I have uh, have some information some yeah. fun fact this is like this is like the normal is similar to like what we do at the books and the movies kind of facts. But mm-hmm. it's about Studio Ghibli in general. Yeah. Because this is our first time doing one of the movies. 
probably won't be our last because I'm sure there are several others that are yes based on books. So I'm sure eventually we'll get to more. But uh, yeah. Um. So the first thing I found out when I was trying to verify once and for all how Ghibli was pronounced, because I feel like I hear it a whole host of different ways. Um, so the name Ghibli mm-hmm. um, was given by Miyazaki, um, and it comes from the Italian noun um, Ghibli, which is based on the Libyan Arabic name for the hot desert wind in that country. Huh. Yeah. So the idea, um, it's kind of like a symbolic thing, I guess. The idea was that the studio would blow a new wind through the anime industry. Miyazaki using symbolism? What? what? <laughs> Crazy. Also, I got I got a comment here. So it's Ghibli, which is what I always thought yeah. it was. Because I know some people say Ghibli, yeah. you know, and they're not sure. But I, I'd always called it Ghibli, and that seems to be the correct pronunciation. I think the H just throws people off. Yeah, at yeah. least English it looks speakers. A little weird. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. The Italian there looks a little strange. Um, the thing that I find interesting is so you you have you have Hayao uh, Miyazaki written out here and. Is his first name not Hayo? Is it Hayao? 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 I have Because that's the, pronunci- <laughs> the pronunciation you have here is H A dash Y A dash O H, which to me so is. So I took that off of the internet. Okay, interesting. I've always heard Hayao Miyazaki or something along those I lines. I could be wrong. The internet is a wide place that is yeah. often wrong. I, I have a lot of pronunciation guides throughout this segment. Yeah. Just oh. FYI. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so, and I'm probably not going to get all of them right regardless. Yeah. So. Um, all right. I was just yeah. wondering, if anybody knows, I'm sure somebody does because yeah. it's Miyazaki. I'm sure somebody knows how to pronounce his first name. Uh, let us know because I wasn't, I had always heard Hayo, but this looks like it may be something slightly different than that. Cool. All right. So Studio Ghibli. Um, founded in 1985 by directors Miyazaki um, and then uh, Takahata, uh-huh. Izeo Takahata, uh-huh. I think, possibly, and then producer um, Toshio Suzuki. Uh-huh. Um, so the studio was founded after the success of the 1984 film Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Never Which heard of that I one. have I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Um, so they had this one movie. It was pretty successful. So they decided to go ahead and create a yeah, create a studio based on that. Um, the studio has mainly produced films by Miyazaki, which was unsurprising to learn. Yeah. Um, well, I, to me, the surprising thing to learn is that there's other people. Yeah. Because right. in my head, I don't. To be fair, we've talked about this. I've only seen a few. Like, yeah, I've I've only seen a few of them. To me, like Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki are basically interchangeable. Yeah, Yeah. but that's yeah probably just a a lack of knowledge on our part. Clearly, because but they have produced uh, films by other directors, um, including their second most prolific director being Takahata, the other um, founder, um, with his most notable film being Grave of the Fireflies. Which I have heard of. Yes, I've heard uh, of that. I didn't I've realize never that seen was, it. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, uh, from what I understand, it's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was my understanding <laughs> yeah, of it as very well. Very depressing. It has <laughs> to do with the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I believe, either the, the aftermath or uh-huh. it takes place during or something along those lines, from what I understand, and it's very 
very depressing, um, but very good, supposedly. Um, so here's something that I thought was interesting. Um, I'm not giving like a full history on Studio right. Ghibli. A, yeah. a lot of it was not all that interesting. Yeah. Like a lot of what I read was about who has like different distribution rights to the films. Wow. And it was a lot of different people. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, companies, I guess. Um, so, but one thing that I did think was interesting, um, the studio is known for having a strict no edits policy when they license their films abroad, um, supposedly due to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind being heavily edited when hmm. the film was released in the United States under a different title, Warriors of the Wind. And now, supposedly, that no-cuts policy was really sh thrown into sharp relief when uh, Miramax suggested editing Princess Mononoke, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah, Mononoke. Mononoke. Yeah. Um, or Mononoke. And Mononoke yeah. in Either order way. to, but they suggested editing it in in order to make it more marketable. And supposedly, a Studio Ghibli producer sent um, Ghibli. And, God <laughs> dang it! <laughs> Sorry. A Studio Ghibli producer sent um, an authentic Japanese sword with the message "No cuts." That's the rumor. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay. <laughs> I really want that to be true. <laughs> yeah, I also want that to be true. Maybe I don't know. Slightly terrifying. <laughs> well, Slightly, I didn't. Like I didn't note it here because I didn't particularly want to bring this up. But kind of what makes it better was that it was Harvey Weinstein. Oh yeah, yeah. That is. I'm so cool with it. 100 really cool want it to then. be true. Absolutely want it to be true. <laughs> um. So Miyazaki retired in 2013. He had a, a good long career. Um. And then in 2014, Suzuki caused a bit of a stir by announcing that Studio Ghibli would take a brief pause to reevaluate and restructure in the wake of Miyazaki's retirement. Mm -hmm. um, he also stated some concerns about where the company might be going in the future, which led to speculation that the studio would not produce another feature film. Um, that actually led to lead producer Yoshiaki... Nishimura, Nishimura yeah. um, among several other staffers at the time, to actually leave and found Studio Ponok hmm. in 2015, um, which made me think of like uh, the exodus from Disney when like Don Bluth yeah. and all the animators yeah, yeah, yeah. left. Yeah. Um, but in February 2017, um, Suzuki announced that Miyazaki would come out of retirement. One of those guys. Yep, one of them. <laughs> to direct a new feature film with Studio Ghibli. Um, the film will be titled How Do You Live? Um, and it has an anticipated release date of right before the 2020 Summer Olympics. Which is... Although, which is this like, year. In, within the yeah. next few months. Has there been a trailer? I don't even... I, I don't I know. remember hearing something about this recently. For, I, I Supposedly that date's not definite. I don't really know how it could be not definite at this point. Yeah. Or at this least was probably, definitely not going to be released. <laughs> there's a chance that you you know this is one of those things that's sourced from an article that came yeah, out in 2017 and hasn't been updated since. Could then. have been, could be outdated material. It still says is an upcoming Japanese like the initial yeah, thing says, says film has an anticipated release by the 2020 Summer Olympics, but there's no. I'm not seeing any extra like news articles or anything on 
where this what the status of <laughs> of that is. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Big mystery. Yeah, we'll see. We'll find out. Um, I have a couple things here about Miyazaki. Um, obviously, he's an animator, film filmmaker, screenwriter. Um, he's also an author and a manga artist. His works are typically characterized by a handful of reoccurring themes. Um, some of those are like uh, humanity's relationship with nature and with technology, how those two things relate to each other. Um, the wholesomeness of natural and traditional patterns of living. Yeah. Um, the importance of art and craftsmanship. And the difficulty of maintaining a pacifist ethic in a violent world. Yeah. I mean, his his films are very, I would call them pacifist. He is absolutely. And I, when I was reading, doing some research on this particular movie, that was apparently one of the themes. And it's he's a, he's a very strong pacifist and he's also a bit of a luddite which he mentioned in terms of the uh which that's a that's a $5 SAT word if you're not sure. <laughs> basically if i think i remember correctly uh it's somebody who does sort of rejects technology and yeah. doesn't like sort of the modern advances or the you know the the constantly advancing mm-hmm. modernity of the world so yeah and it is something that i think comes through even just in the way his films look. Yeah. They look like they're from a different time, like an earlier time. It is funny though because I I don't think I included notes on this in my in my film notes, but they don't traditionally animate their movies anymore. Yeah. They are digital, but then they make them look like traditional. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Or at least, or this particular one was, from what I read, that, that it, it was mostly uh, done digitally, and then mm-hmm. things were done to make it look. It was very it involved process that sounded too hard and complicated, and I was not knowledgeable enough to explain what they did, so I was like, I'm just going to leave it out, but yeah. Uh, Miyazaki's works. Oh, you missed, sorry, you missed his most uh, important recurring theme, what? which is flying. Flying? <laughs> It's not a theme so much as a recurring. <laughs> it's a it's a signature of his. Is there's a, yeah. flying is a big part of, and he's talked at length at, in interviews and stuff about why he uses flying and hmm. stuff like that. Interesting. Um, so his works have been highly praised, highly awarded. Um, he was named a person of cultural merit for outstanding cultural contributions in 2012. He also received an Academy Honorary Award for his impact on animation and cinema in 2014. And in 2002, um, Roger Ebert suggested that Miyazaki may be the best animation filmmaker in history, which seems like pretty high praise. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking at just somebody who, I mean, he only does animation. Yeah. And so I, I guess I could see that. There are some, I, I would have to think... You have to go into some Pixar direct, but see, it's it's more complicated because he's he he seems so, and I could be wrong, but he seems so central to so much of the style and the mm-hmm. sort of feel and and the everything about the movies that he directs and writes yeah. and stuff, as opposed to like somebody like I can't even think of the guy's name who did like um, Toy Story, the Toy Story. There and there, those are usually like multiple people for one yeah. thing. That usually like Disney and Pixar have like multiple directors for a lot of their animated movies. Um, but like Brad Bird, he like who did the Incredibles and stuff. Like he mm-hmm. also does live action and so yeah. I, I, I mean, definitely an argument to be made. I think there's an argument to be made, at least for like his impact. 
like how important he is to the studio. Yeah. Because if you think about like if you think about like Disney Animation Studios, like Walt Disney died. Right. And the studio had some shaky years. Yeah. But they pulled through. Yeah. Miyazaki just retired and and the studio ground to a halt. Yeah, I guess like I guess yeah, maybe the other one you would look at would be like Walt Disney, I, like would be like the comparison yeah. because because I guess that's the point is that when you look at because what like we said and now maybe this would be different, but I would uh, imagine probably not from outside of America. So like f- to us, Studio Ghibli is Miyazaki. Like, yeah, they're synonymous. But I feel pretty confident that if you're like asking people like Pixar, like what do you think of Pixar? Who do you think of like as like the writer, the writer director from Pixar? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. The only one I could think of would be Brad Bird, but I just know his name. Like John Lasseter didn't John Lasseter did some stuff. stuff Yeah, or 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 yeah, or or like Disney. Other than other than Walt Disney. Yeah, it's not. You know what I mean. And and to be totally fair too, animation in the grand scheme of things is not that old of a medium. It's no. not a super crowded field, but neither is film. They're True. they're not too far off in terms. Of, you know what I mean? They're pretty. Um, yeah, that's fair. Coexistent in terms of timeline, but yeah, cool. All right, that was some interesting <laughs> stuff about. <laughs> realized we're at the end. That was some uh, interesting stuff about Studio Ghibli. Hope you hopefully you learned something. Definitely not an exhaustive. Uh, there's probably a documentary out there about Studio yeah. Ghibli somewhere. I'm sure. That was it for our Learning Things segment. We're going to go ahead and talk about Howl's Moving Castle, the book. From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki... The director of the Academy Award-winning Spirited Away. That is ancient sorcery. Quite powerful, too. This summer, experience the epic tale of a young woman transformed by a mysterious curse. That's really me, isn't it? So Howl's Moving Castle is a fantasy novel by British author Diana Wynne-Jones, first published in 1986. It is actually the first novel in a series, which I didn't know, um, though the series also includes Castle in the Air and House of Many Ways. Um, it's kind of a spaced out series, first book, 1986, um, the third book wasn't published till 2008. Hmm. Howl's Moving Castle, though when it was published, it was the runner-up for the annual Boston Globe Horn Book Award, and it was also named one of that year's ALA Notable Books for Children. It also won the Phoenix Award 20 years later um, as a way to recognize its rise from relative obscurity. Oh, but that's because the movie was made. Maybe. Definitely. You said it came (laughs) out in 86. The movie was made in... 2004 so yeah that's that's why that (laughs) yeah um so supposedly um jones got the idea for the book from a boy in a school that she was visiting um who asked her to write a book titled the moving castle and that kind of kicked off the idea for her 
Um, Howl's Moving Castle explores several themes. Um, some of those include destiny, youth, courage, and love. Um, it also has quite a few other literary references in it. Um, the poet John Donne is alluded to and quoted several times. Um, there's also a reference to a location from Tolkien's Middle Earth. Um, which I have not, I have already read that, but better I have be not, Holmes deep. I have not included it in here in okay. case it's some kind of spoiler in the movie. Probably not. Probably but, not, but still. Um, we'll return to that if it's not referenced in the movie. Okay. Um, the novel also includes references to Alice in Wonderland, Hamlet, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and a traditional Welsh folk song, whose title I'm probably about to butcher even worse than I butchered all of the Japanese names. Um, Sosvian Vyach. Yeah. I love, I looked at, so you wrote, it's, so the English, uh, the English spelling of this is S-O-S-B-A-N, second word, F-A-C-H, which, Sosvian Vyach, or something, uh, knowing that it's, you know, Welsh or something. But then you have the pronunciation after, and it's does not. It's more confusing than just reading the. I know what it means. Okay. I know what it means. There's three K's in the second word. I was trying to <laughs> indicate to myself that it was a guttural sound yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end. That's what I figured. It's just, I, I, just like looking at. It, I was like, huh? Because it's S O S hyphen B V A N and then V A C K K K. It's like all right. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I think you probably did pretty good. I think I did okay. I had to listen to a recording of it to yeah. try to figure out how it was pronounced. Yeah. It was a delightful tune, by the way. Sounds like it. I can only imagine. With a title like that, it must be very beautiful. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our book facts. Let's go ahead and talk about Howl's Moving Castle, the movie. An enchanted moving castle. This is a magic house. And the one wizard, powerful enough to set her free. This charm will guarantee your safe return. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli production of a Hayao Miyazaki film. Hold on. This June, journey to amazing new worlds. Aboard Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle is a 2004 film written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki, who we've already learned a little bit about over the course of this podcast. The Japanese voice cast features, and I'm going to butcher these two names, but I'm going to try. You didn't write out pronunciations nope, like I did. because I think I can just do it. Chiko Baisho? And Takuya Kimura, something along those lines. Takuya, Takuya Kimura, eh, probably closer to the first time. <laughs> the American dub uh, features Gene Simmons, not that one. The British actress, uh, probably best known from Spartacus, Great Expectations, and Guys and Dolls. Gene with a with a J. J E A N, not G E N E. Other Gene Simmons. Uh, Emily Mortimer, Lauren Bacall, and Christian Bale. Originally, film was to be directed not 
by Miyazaki. It was going to be Mamoru Hosoda, but he quit the project after Studio Ghibli ex- execs vetoed like a bunch of his concept ideas. Hmm. They were like, no. I would love to know because we've already had this spoiled that there are a lot of differences. Oh, so between yeah. the book and the movie. When I was doing my research for <laughs> these facts, it I could not not find out that these are wildly different. Apparently, yeah. that it is a very loosely. Don't know any specifics yet. No. But we, we've had at least that spoiled. But I would actually love to know if his ideas were closer to the book. It's possible. And they were like, nah. Who begins? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, thus begins now the IMDb trivia. So take these next few ones with a grain of salt. Christian uh, Christian Bale uh, apparently agreed to play literally any role in Howl's Moving Castle after he saw Spirited Away. But he didn't expect to play the titular role because he mm. is Howl in Howl's Moving Castle. Speaking of Christian Bale, the movie actually features a moment with Christian Bale's distinct Batman voice, his <laughs> growl, which he would later use in Batman Begins in 2005. He was in the in the in the process of preparing to play Batman when he recorded this movie. And so he snuck in a little bit of the the Batman I'm Batman. I am Hal. Yeah. I'm all. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Maybe. according to this IMDb fact, we'll watch. We'll find out when we watch the because we will be watching. We'll be the on the stuff. lookout for that. And finally, the film was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the 2006 Academy Awards, but it did not win. But it did win another 14 awards and was nominated for 19 more. On top of that, so a very decorated film, and I believe it was number 144 in that ballpark. I believe it was 144 on the IMDb Top 250. Uh, but most of the like Miyazaki's films are on there somewhere, or at least like yeah. the big ones, like yeah. Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, uh, I think Kiki's, and um, uh, Tur- Totoro. Yeah, uh, My Neighbor Totoro isn't that what it's called? I, believe. Yeah, yes. I think it's My Neighbor to- Neighbor Totoro. Is that based on a book? I don't believe so, but I, I would could like be to wrong. See that one at some point, yeah. Maybe Spirited Away will be. We'll have to reread it and rewatch it. That would be nice. Maybe if we ever meet Christian Bale, we can ask him to explain Spirited Away to you. Yeah, apparently he, apparently he loved, loved it. it. Well, here's the thing. Everybody loves it. It's like <laughs> the most popular Miyazaki film, probably. <laughs> it, and most beloved. It's up there. So I, I'm, I'm sure most people could explain it to me. I just, I just need to rewatch it. That's it. So, thank you for joining us for this prequel episode. Where we come in 30 minutes. Perfect. That's a perfect prequel episode. We nailed it. We crushed it this time. Well done. Come back in one week's time where we will be watching and then talking about Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, we're renting it from our local library because yes. it's not... You can buy it and rent it on streaming I places. I believe but... in all of my in all of my readings about distribution rights. I believe in America they are available through HBO Max. Yes, which is we don't have. We have yeah. HBO Go. <laughs> we have normal HBO. Whatever the difference is there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it will be coming to Netflix yeah. everywhere else in the everywhere world. Everywhere else, Netflix really teased me. Oh, this week. I had so many people. I saw that like three different people share how excited they were about without having clearly read the article, yeah. which is one of those. This is the, this is one of those teachable moments. Read the freaking <laughs> article. Don't just share something because you read the headline. No, I saw it and I was like, <gasps> and then I was like, oh, yeah, I saw somebody share it and I was like, oh, interesting. And I clicked on it to read the story mainly because I wanted to know when it was going to be out. And, yeah. then I, and then I got like into the second paragraph and it's like. Everywhere other than North America. And I was like... Yeah. No, I, I clicked on it, too, because we have done that before where we have predicted 
something coming to a streaming service where it gets there like a couple weeks after we do an episode about it. So if you're not listening to us in America, you can put this (laughs) on the back. Or England. Or, yeah. No, it was, yeah, maybe. I don't remember exactly. It was was North America and somewhere else that wasn't getting it. It might have been Japan. Might have been North America and Japan. I thought it doesn't I thought matter. Thought it was North America and England. It's possible, uh, but uh, we're not getting it on Netflix. But like everywhere else is. Yeah. So if you're from somewhere else, you can watch it on Netflix <laughs> in like a month. If you want to put this one on the burner for like a month and just save it and then watch it on Netflix and then. But uh, we're gonna get it from our local library and watch it because that's what local libraries are for. Go out and support your local libraries, like we say all the time. We recognize them at the beginning, but you can join the ranks of our beautiful patrons. Just go to patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. Support us for as little as $2 a month, and you'll get your name mentioned in our next prequel episode. If you support us at $15 a month, we'll read your name every single prequel episode. And no matter how much you give us, we're eternally grateful. And even if you don't give us money, thanks for listening. That's cool, too. But, you know. The money helps because we're 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 actually you know we got us we have we have server fees we're paying for our, our space to post our podcast and we got Katie's got to make graphics so she's got software from making graphics and we got recording equipment so there's there's some there's some money involved in in doing a podcast so we appreciate anybody that is able to financially support us uh, and we appreciate you very much so until next time guys gals non-binary and everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies. And And keep keep being awesome. awesome.